0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. It's the time of year when snow snakes are racing across the frozen fields in the upper Midwest. They're not actual snakes, but a game to see who can throw carved and decorated wooden sticks the farthest. It's one of the traditional native winter games seeing a surge in popularity thanks to culture and language revitalization efforts. Join us as we talk about snow snakes and other winter games coming up after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Megan Kamrick and for Antonia Gonzalez. The U.S. Interior Department is releasing a list of proposed names to replace a derogatory anti-Indigenous word on public lands. Burt Johnson with the Mountain West News Bureau has more.
2: Federal officials plan to remove the word S-Q-U-A-W from more than 600 geographic features. This story will not include a full pronunciation of that word out of respect for Indigenous communities. Tribal advocates have been pushing to remove it for years. Helen Fillmore is a member of the Washoe Tribe of Nevada and California. She told KNPR's Native Nevada podcast, the word was a reminder of the violence Native women endured during colonization. It's also an ongoing barrier, I would say, for being able to be a part of our homelands and to carry out our traditional practices like they should be. For example, the department proposed renaming a creek in Elko County, Nevada, to Wally Creek, or Go Shoot Valley members of the public will be able to weigh in on the changes. The department has removed offensive words from use before, including slurs targeting African Americans and Japanese Americans. For National Native News, I'm Burt Johnson.
1: In an annual address to state lawmakers, a representative of Wisconsin's 11 federally recognized tribes challenged Republican-led efforts to change voting laws and restrict teaching about racism. Chuck Kornbach of station WUWM in Milwaukee reports. Shannon Holsey, president
3: of the Stockbridge Muncie Band of Mohican Indians, gave this year's State of the Tribes address at the Capitol building in Madison. It comes as Republicans prepare to pass bills that critics say would limit voting later this year. Holsey challenged lawmakers to instead expand access to the ballot box.
1: We should all do more to ensure that all Americans, including Native Americans, can exercise this right easily.
3: The GOP-controlled Wisconsin legislature also recently voted to prohibit Wisconsin public schools from teaching students and training employees about concepts such as systemic racism and implicit bias. Democratic Governor Tony Evers vetoed that measure, and Holsey called on lawmakers to now take a different approach.
1: It is our view in response as tribal nations that perhaps what is needed is not critical theory and more critical thinking.
3: Holsey also criticized the remaining use of Native American mascots by Wisconsin sports teams and called for action against climate change. For National Native News, I'm Chuck Kornbach.
1: Russia has declared a non-governmental organization that seeks to protect the rights of indigenous ethnic groups in the Volga region as undesirable. Radio Free Europe reports that the prosecutor general's office said since the group... Free Idel Ural, is registered in the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, it, quote, "...poses a danger to the Russian Federation's constitutional order and security." Exiled activists from the Volga region established this NGO to represent the interests of native ethnic groups in six Russian republics. Russia has been increasing pressure on activists seeking autonomy for the country's many ethnic groups. And in Chile, the last living speaker of an indigenous language has died. Reuters reports Cristina Calderon died last week at age 93. She mastered the Yamana language of the Yagan community, and after her sister died nearly 20 years ago, was the last person in the world to speak it. The remaining Yagan number a few dozen, but they stopped learning the language. Calderon created a dictionary of the language with translations in Spanish. This gives some hope of preserving it. The Agans Ancestral Ethnic Group used to populate the archipelagos of South America's extreme south near the Antarctic. For National Native News, I'm Megan Kamrak.
0: National Native News is produced by Kowanic Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are
4: now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States, and you may choose which booster shot you receive. More info at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus who support this show.
0: This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Winter Olympics in Beijing are over, but Winter Games in Native America are still on. Community leaders at Madeline Island, Wisconsin just hosted the first ever Inter Tribal Nations Snow Snake Festival. It drew dozens of pros, beginners, and teachers for a traditional winter game that's currently enjoying some renewed interest. If you're not familiar with snow snakes, it's a game to see who can throw a stick, which is called a snake, the farthest along an icy track. Depending on the shape of the snake, the texture of the snow, and a thrower's technique, the snake can glide 200 feet or more. This is one traditional native winter game out of many that are going on right now across Native America. They're fun to play, but they're also part of cultural revitalization efforts in communities and schools. In this hour, we'll talk about the game of snow snakes and other uniquely native winter games. And you can join us, of course, what native winter games do you enjoy? We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-996-2848 is the number of the call. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us today from the La Couture Reservation in Wisconsin is Paul DeMaine. He's the chairman of the board of directors of Honor the Earth and an organizer of the Intertribal Nation Snow Snake Festival. And he's from the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin and of Ojibwe descent. Welcome back to Native America Calling, Paul.
5: Good morning to Native
0: America. Joining us from Red Lake, Minnesota is Susan Ninham. She's a teacher and games organizer. She's Ojibwe. Welcome to Native America calling as well, Susan.
6: Maganag. Hello, my relatives.
0: Joining us from the headquarters of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Black River Falls, Wisconsin is John Greendeer. He's the health and wellness coordinator for the Ho Chunk Nation and first place winner of the 0 to 54 category at the first Intertribal Nation Snow Snake Festival. He's Ho Chunk. Welcome back to NAC, John.
7: Oh, Hanachini Katagiwi. we uh, greet every one of you.
0: And joining us from Loch de Flambo, Wisconsin is Wayne Valour. He's the director of language and culture at the Loch de Flambo Public Schools. He's Ojibwe and a member of the Lac de Band of Lake Superior Chippewa Indians. Welcome to the show,
8: Wayne. Hello to all my fellow Anishinaabe native people out there and happy to be on the show today.
0: And thank you all, all of my guests, for those warm introductions. Paul, I'd like to have you kick off today's conversation. Hey, I watched some videos on YouTube. Snow snakes. It looks like a lot of fun. Tell us more about the game.
5: Uh, well, let me correct one thing because I know in the article and and you said that too that it was the first annual intertribal snow snake festival and. Because the island has about an 800 to 1,000 year history amongst the Ojibwe, having once been their capital and probably another 12,000 years of presence by indigenous people from as far away as Edina, Ohio and Cahokia, Illinois, I'm thinking that this probably wasn't the first annual. Uh, So it was one of the most wonderful experiences that I've been involved in in a long time. And of course uh, we've looked at the re-emergence of uh, this game and string games and indigenous sports across the country the revival of lacrosse uh, the use of these games for the judiciary in some cases for settling disputes uh, for entertainment reasons for you know honing your skills uh, perhaps going back to the days of uh, javelin hunting um, there They seem to be very functional in many ways, and they seem to be entertaining. And of course, mental health in the middle of a pandemic and being outside throwing snow snakes with your relatives and friends was something that was really reinvigorating. And uh, we had a huge crowd. Uh, We started out a year ago talking about a handful of people uh, coming together to throw snakes and being epic about it, returning this game uh, to Madeline Island and discovering all the words uh, in Ojibwe and other languages that go with it, uh, the different types of snakes that are there, the different kinds of tracks, the different kinds of rules that uh, you need to comply with, either from a traditional point of view or a modern revision, because essentially we didn't have a Madeline Island snow Snowsnake uh, manual, so we kind of rewrote all our rules to accommodate all the people that came and uh, the pulling together was tremendous uh dan ninham uh you know uh, took the took charge of organizing a consensus on rules and regulations and processes his wife susan took care to make sure that the things on site were being dealt with in terms of games and prizes and keeping track of things so there was just a tremendous you know and john and john john who you got on here through the winning a snake so he can crow around about that whole thing but it was just an experience that was phenomenal and if anyone's told you about how the ice road the one mile long ice road from the mainland to the island opened up on thursday night as people started arriving and at 10 38 we were told that there was an ice heave and people needed to get off and so everyone but me at 11 o'clock was off the island and my car got stuck there for about an extra week i had all kinds of ways off the island but that was a pleasant experience as okay.
0: well okay Lost Paul. <clears throat> yeah. Paul, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, just lost you there for a moment, or maybe it was on my end. I'm sorry. So, anyway, Paul, thank you for that history. Uh, fascinating. This go- game goes back so, so many centuries, apparently, and, and so much culture behind it. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the object of the game, Snow Snakes? I mean, I, how is it played exactly?
8: well uh if, if
5: people have a chance go look at the video it's on youtube snow snakes on Madeline island but uh the the intent of the game is uh, skill building uh so in, in other words people in this particular case are looking for uh distance in terms of their throws uh we probably had five or six, six different types of snakes we had mud cats which are short we had long javelin like snakes. We had snakes that are on ice snakes with a large head at the front. We had snakes that had pewter and lead in the front of them. And so uh, we kind of cleared the track real early by saying that uh, we would accommodate all different types of snakes, all kinds of different individuals on the track. There was an on ice uh, track that is uh, flat on ice and and cleared off and, and that was used by Uh, more of the uh, amateur throwers, non-competitive throwers, a wider track, and then there was a hoop track that uh, Bob Schimmick from Red Lake brought over, uh, which I had never seen ever before in my life or heard of, and uh, that intent was throwing snakes at a rolling hoop target as they roll that target, that hoop on the other end. So there's a person on the other end, he rolls a hoop, and several people lined up on an ice-cleared square, Throw snakes to try to get as close as that hoop are in the hoop with a different level of points for getting close or going through. So we learned uh, quite a a lot about the differences of games, the pointing of the games, individual throws, uh, competition teams, and we tried to really hear from everyone. I think we got a good start. We don't have everything. Our New York Seneca delegation got snowed in out in Buffalo, so they couldn't come uh, uh, show off their highly professional, skilled. no snake operation. They've been doing it for years and they are into it intensely. So a lot of diversity, a lot of conversation, a lot of consensus making, and a hell of a lot of fun.
0: Well, let's hear from our zero to 54 age group category champion, John Greendeer. John, that's a pretty wide range of competition there, zero to 54. Tell us about your winning throw at the festival. What did it take to win that?
7: I have no idea what it took. Um, you know, one of the unique aspects of this game is um, there's so many variables. You can you can have you had mentioned, you know, the types of sticks and the snow and the skill. Um, you know, a lot of that has to come together and synchronize. You can have a champion stick and it's just not connecting with the track well enough and and i thought that was my curse for the weekend because uh i think you know in indian country you, we always watch what we say and how we say it um and i think i crossed some lines early in the fall by talking a little smack with my brothers about this game and i was not really backing it up that whole weekend i think i was only throwing like 150 or 160 at best and i definitely should have been in the youth category And, you know, it wasn't until that last throw that that thing just got some heat. So um, it, it was exciting. I was really, you know, I was really competitive going into it. But on the ice, my drive for competition was gone. I just it was like, you know, seeing people on a moped. They're always going to be smiling. They're always going to be enjoying life, you know, or on a, on a boat. And this is, everyone was smiling the whole time. And you kind of forget about that. And you find yourself cheering just as hard for your, your competitors as you do, you know, yourself. So, uh, I had an amazing time out there and then, you know, it wasn't until that last one, even my daughter came up and just said, dad, you know i was worried about you you talked a lot of smack until today so um <laughs> so yeah the the energy was pretty high um you you know i think i floated back to my hometown uh the next day so it was it was it was fun so yeah i'm i'm gonna, i'm going to wear it well too i'm going to you know raise that because the challenges are going to be out there and and i think that's what we need i think that's really the shot in the arm that we have not had um in terms of you know whatever type of activity and competition that we have out there that is healthy and, and healing for our people in our villages. Well,
0: John, I want to thank you again on your championship, but I do have to say, I think you kind of lucked out with those, um, Those brothers (laughs) from the the Seneca Nation not being able to show up because I think you would have had a little bit more competition had they been there. But folks, we were going to have to take a break here in just a short minute. But again, we are talking snow snakes. We're talking winter games, native style, and we really want to hear from you. So give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. That is the number to call. Give us a holler. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you're doing in terms of winter games, how you're enduring these colder winter months and of course coming out of the pandemic as well. So lots of opportunities to go out there and have some fun and we want to hear from you. Uh, my name Sean Spruce. You're listening to Native America Calling and we'll be back right after the break. Cynthia Chavez Lamar is the first Native woman to serve as a Smithsonian Museum Director. She is the new head of the National Museum of the American Indian in Washington, D.C. We'll hear from her about the path that led her there and what we might see in the museum's future on the next Native America Calling.
4: The Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention remind you there are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States. You may choose which COVID-19 vaccine you receive as a booster shot. Getting the COVID-19 vaccination protects you, your family, and your community. More information at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus who support this show.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling, and I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about snow snakes and winter games today, cool sports and activities. So please join the conversation. What do traditional winter games mean to you? We're at 1-800-996-2848 or 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's bring Susan Ninham into the conversation now. She's a teacher and games organizer. Susan, tell us, um, what kind of work goes into organizing an event like a Snow Snakes tournament?
6: Well, for most activities that are organized in uh, tribal communities is uh, communication. You know, the information getting out to the public on either social media, um, text messaging, um, sending out flyers posting it on the internet, um, and sometimes just calling and talking to people face-to-face. And so that's, the, I think, the biggest challenge that we always have is being able to get the information out to the communities to um, participate in our activities that we organize.
0: Susan Paul shared a little bit of history earlier on the game, Snow Snakes. Have women always been a part of the game?
6: Women have not always been a part of the game, and they have just recently been um, acknowledged to participate in a lot of our um, traditional games. And most games were uh, traditionally played by. The boys and the men of the communities, and there are games that are specific just for women. Also, but well, snow tell us about. was not one of them.
0: Uh, well, well, what about some other traditional winter games uh, that are are popular in that area? Can you can you tell us about some other games?
6: So the traditional games that I'm familiar with that are um, played in the wintertime has a lot to do with, um, you know, being indoors and one of those games is um, the string games and that's just making different shapes uh, or symbolic representations of our communities um, using a uh, string and interweaving it with uh, your right and left hands
0: now i've and, i've seen that game before that's really fascinating that's interesting what i'm i'm sorry what are some other ones
6: um and another game that we started to play um in uh in the winter time is a game called shinny and it's similar to hockey and so we play that on the ice and when we first started playing it we only played it during the you know uh time of the year when there was no snow on the ground but we um, modified it to uh, be played in the in the snow in the winter time, because it does. Um, it's a derivative of hockey.
0: Well, Susan, it sounds like these games are growing in popularity, especially snow snakes. Why do you think that is?
6: I think across the country, there's been a a reemergence of a revitalization of our language and our culture, and the history of who we are as tribal people, to bring back um, the pride in who we are as tribal people uh, from across the country, where you know we've been colonized to think a, a certain way. Um, that were American and um, just really um, stripped away that cultural thought and ideology and value of who we are as tribal people. And so bringing back something that was a a huge form of socialization within our communities, I think is bringing back that um, community, um, process of gathering together for socialization and and sharing um, goodness and kindness and um, who we are as people.
0: Well, Susan, thank you for those perspectives. Really, really interesting, insightful. I, I want to go to one of these tournaments now in, in person and not just watch them on YouTube. Let's bring Wayne Valour into the conversation now. He is again the director of language and culture at the Loch de Flambo Public Schools. And Wayne, can people of all ages enjoy snow snakes?
8: Oh, absolutely. Um, first of all, I'd like to correct you. My name is pronounced Valer, not Valier. But anyway, I'm sorry, Wayne. All, okay. So all all ages are can play snow snake. It's a it's a game for all ages, and as a matter of fact, um, in early times, that that was the way our people taught our children. Was the little boys they they mimicked the uncles, dad, and grandfather, and play hunt and 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 game, and so did the little girls at a smaller at a smaller scale. So when they seen the big people doing that, they they. I made little snakes for my kids, so we we make tiny snakes for little bitty kids to throw, too, so we get them started young here in Lactoplambo.
0: Now, how long have you been playing snow snakes, Wayne?
9: Well, that was,
8: just, that was the thing. We we started a program here about 12 years ago called Ojibwe Bibuni Atadiwin, which means the Ojibwe Winter Games, and it started out with a, with a vision I had, a dream I had, I saw hundreds of, of, of our youth out on the ice, playing these different various games and they were yelling and cheering and having a great time. So I started to think about that. And that dream became more vivid to me, what I had to do. So we went ahead and we, we started to, um, started to do the research on the different, different games that we played and we started it and, and snake was one of them. Um, so we've been doing it here in Lac de Flambeau for almost 12 years now, and before that that point, a snow snake hadn't been slid on the ice in competition in our community in over 175 years. So since we brought snows- the Goonie Kaganabic, the snow snake as the Ojibwe call it, back to our community, um, it's it's becoming it's became common knowledge in our community. Our our children are. Are exposed to it at a very young age and by the time they leave the eighth grade they understand um its history and understand where it comes from and and how to play the game and how uh, to follow the the grandfather teachings while they're playing it
0: well wayne thanks uh, thanks as well for the, those insights and that perspective we have a caller on the line. His name is Melvin. He's one of our regulars. He's listening on KZYK in Santee, Nebraska. Melvin, you're on the air.
9: Well, uh, one thing I want to say about the snowstick, thing, what I observed, I never played. I was just introduced and watched. But the social events going on in and around it, it's a big social event. You know, I've seen the hand games. I've seen other traditional games that I didn't know, but, uh, the snow stick, uh, games, uh, it's, it's a big social event. That's very important for our people to participate in these, you know, I know guys that met their wives there, but it's, it's a social event. And, uh, I encourage everybody to try to participate or just observe. Thank
0: you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Melvin, are you still on the air? Yeah. Melvin, I'm curious, what are some uh, traditional Native games that are played up in in your part of the country?
9: Well, mainly hand games and moccasin games. You know, uh, snow shakes, it, we don't have it yet. We will. We will now.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to start taking off to a, a lot of different native. I, mean, I think if you have snow and a little bit of ice, it sounds like you could you could set up uh, a tournament or or get the game going. So it's it's really really interesting. Wayne, I, I'd like to ask you, you know, about the actual. Um, the craft work that goes on into actually making the snakes, how do, you know what kind of wood makes the best snow snake?
8: right we We found out like um, the gentleman like um, John John was saying earlier about there are different snakes made for different different um, I guess different um, um, ground types from if you're on the ice or if you're gonna be sliding through the snow. Um, we have a snake here in Lac de Flambeau that we use. This, we call the diver snake, and the object of the game is in deep snow. We 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 um we cut away the snow a little ways, and the object. Well, folks, I'm sorry. The object, sorry, I think
0: uh, okay,
8: the object you... is. You there?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. you. We just lost you. Ju- we well, lost you just for a second there, Wayne, but we can hear you. Go ahead and, c- and continue.
8: Okay, so the object is, is, it dives under the snow, and the object is whose snake comes up the farthest away and and and, and appears out of the snow. So and, and in the old times, the little boys would line up in the snow like that and push those divers down, and the object was whose snake would actually pop back up on the snow and travel the farthest distance. So those... Um, I've uh, I've made probably um eight different snakes in order to have one do that. So there's definitely a trick to those snakes and the way they're they're carved and the way they're formed so that they do that. And also um some of the research that we did in Lac de Flambo and the reason we know it was hundred and seventy five years was there was a uh, a French um, a French um travel writer who came through our region who rich who witnessed people on the Torch Lake, we're called uh, the Torch Lake people, Waswaganing, Lake of the Flaming Torch. And he saw our people in March of the year. Now in March of the year here in Waswaganing, we lose our snow and the ice becomes very, on, on our lakes. We have 258 lakes on a reservation. And what happens is the snow goes away, melts away, and there's still ice on the, on the on the lakes. So it's a perfect condition. They were throwing those snakes at that time, and this Frenchman said the snakes disappeared out of sight, and he estimated some of the snakes traveling in perfect conditions upwards of a mile, and um, and we we've made courses on the on the ice that weren't, weren't quite a mile, but they were they were pretty long, almost a quarter mile. We get them going, so in perfect conditions, those snakes and you know in old times. That was because of the competition people people had secrets on how to lubricate that snake, maybe it was a mink oil or maybe it was a creek bottom sediment, or maybe it was a type of beeswax or something they had well, they kept that a secret because they were in competition you wouldn't share your secret of how you're able to make your snake um slide farther than the next person's so
0: That's it's really amazing over a mile a snow snake could travel like that on the ice. Let's bring our our champion back into the conversation John and John I'm interested in in knowing snow snakes um as a frame of reference can you compare it to any other contemporary sports that people might play?
7: Well um I not of hand there there have been some you know obviously spear games um, perhaps javelin would probably be the best comp- um, comparison to use for that because it does take a level of strength and skill in, in certain conditions and variables. Um, and in, in science, I mean, I don't want to discount the fact that there's a lot of um, physics and, and mathematics involved in, in um, engineering these uh, um, each of these uh, snow snakes. And so, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at it on, on the raw data scale, uh, probably the javelin would probably be one of the, because at, at the end of the day, you want to get the farthest spear um, to a certain distance.
0: Now, is it, is it all about technique? Is it strength and power? I mean, I mean, what does it take to have a record throw like you had?
7: Well, I think the, the the fellows will agree with me that you can have the best arm in the world, even the best technique and the greatest crafted stick. But if you can't keep that thing in the track, it's, it's gonzo. It, you know, you're, you're done. Um, And that's what I saw yesterday during the, the competition was these folks were coming off with flames off their snow snakes and had they stayed in the track they probably would have Robin hooded my, my snow snake, um, down there. So, um, it it does, again, it is a matter of uh, finesse and technique, but you also have to, you know, it doesn't count if you can't lay it down. So, um, so yeah, there's, um, there's a lot to it. And I think again, all these circumstances have to align in order to have a good throw.
0: Well, you know, the way you're describing that and it's not just it's power but that power has to be controlled and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like playing pool and like the break, right? If, if some people just have all the power in the world in that break, but if they can't control it, you know, the the cue ball goes flying off the table or something like that. It goes kind of crazy. John, have you made snow snakes as well?
7: Yeah, actually um I actually made those a couple of weeks before. Um I had snow snakes, but they weren't they weren't competitive. I spent a lot of time uh, working on those snow snakes and, um, you know, getting them honed down because I I knew who I was competing with. These folks on the line and the folks that were up there, they're they're not run-of-the-mill, you know, Joe Schmoes. They they know their craft well, and we know them because of what they do. And so, um, you know, I knew I was going up, you know, and, you know, as far as the Seneca's go, you know i i wasn't worried <laughs> you know I, i'd love i'd love to be in i'd love to be in that company because that's the only way you're going to learn but um but yeah these these folks know what they're doing so um yeah it's a matter of um taking your time and crafting these and and when you get there and you take a look at their work that in and of itself is absolutely amazing you just jaw dropped at some of the work that they've put into their their sticks and so yeah well I had a good time
0: yeah some some of them look really beautiful, just the, the pictures I've seen online. And so I guess you do talk a little bit of smack like your uh, like your children say there, John, <laughs> bring it on Seneca Nation. John Green Deer yeah. lays down well, lays down the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Paul, I'm curious, um, what kinds of things do you do you teach uh, newbies to snow snakes? Somebody just start throwing the stick for the first time. What, what, what kind of goes into that initiation?
5: Well, uh, again, uh, we we heard descriptions of uh, the young children getting their snow snakes over at Flambeau. So there's you know there's a lot of attention on trying to bring uh, our children up in an atmosphere that is is healthy and reassuring and uh, has a positive influence on them. And so uh, one of the first things we did was we spent two hours with an open track on Saturday morning, just uh, letting kids throw. Someone had brought down uh, eight or nine um, uh, broomsticks, uh, just the stick mm. portion, and it had been chopped off on the front into a little bit of a point. And uh, these, uh, some, uh, there was only one left over at the end of the day. So I suspect that kids and other people took them home. So it was really an elementary way to get kids to start throwing. Uh, you didn't have to worry about a fancy uh, snake being. Do you have stories
4: to tell? Vision Maker Media funds Native American and Alaska Native long and short documentaries at all stages of development and is currently seeking proposals intended for PBS television broadcasting through their public media fund. These projects should represent the cultures, experiences, and perspectives of Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Deadline for submissions is Friday, February 11th
0: at visionmakermedia.org, who support this program. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're focusing on winter games today. No, not the Olympics, but traditional native games played during cold months like snow snakes. And there's still time to join the conversation. So please tell us about the traditional games from your nation. We're at 1 800 996 2848, also 1 800 99Native. And before we went to break, we were listening to Paul, and he was telling us about Introducing new people to the game of snow snakes and what that all entails. And we had to go to a quick break. So, Paul, I apologize, but please continue your thoughts.
5: Well, no, I was discussing uh, the fact that someone brought a bunch of broomstick uh, poles to uh, the snow snake uh, festival, and afterwards there was only one left over. So, I suspect uh, kids and families took it home as the easiest way to get started. Uh, But it it, it behooves us to to ask the question about different types of woods, different types of lubricants, as uh, John John had uh, said before and Wayne about how uh, there might be uh, secrets, there might be songs, uh, there might be spells and, and, you know, good gibbic, you bring your bingo, uh, you bring your bingo uh, idol there, you know, and take it down to the track to help you. But there was so much going on, Uh, we had a winter story uh, telling session that evening, you want to think about midwinter in northern Wisconsin. Uh, So this was a huge break, Uh, we want to reflect upon uh, government agencies who banned. uh, banned the games from Madeline island in 1840s because they were concerned about the wagering that took place as people were paid so they banned wagering on lacrosse games and other indigenous. Uh, games during that time period, and and shortly after that, the Treaty of 1854 was signed, and the island was depopulated. So again, it might have been 170, 180 years since uh, people had thrown snakes up on Madeline Island, and this resurgence. You know how the erythograms work on Facebook. Now that I've been talking about snow snakes and searching for snow snakes, I'm definitely uh, in. Touch with all the different uh, the snow snake tournament, and I see my friends uh, crossing uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, to go to these tournaments. So there's a absolutely big revival on it, and I think if we focus on all the things that come with it, from culture, history, the language, uh, even Melvin used that shoshi uh, word ver, uh, verb shoshi mun, which is the Cole's perspective in observation in 1840s meaning slippery sticks uh the revival of the language is important show show all you'll hear that in skating toboggans teflon things that are slippery and so it revived a word that i had never seen before and that's part of our history and heritage and we're rebuilding uh, those blocks to make ourselves whole again
0: well it's it's just so fascinating and and really inspiring that so many Native people are embracing this game and and I think we have listeners right now in the air that are thinking, wow, I would like to to try out snow snakes or or maybe they have ideas for how to revive uh, their own types of traditional games and and Susan, I'd like to ask you what kind of advice can you offer other Native people that would like to reintroduce some of these games into their communities? Well, first of all, I
6: think just finding out in your community what's going on. And most of our communities have a department that focuses on language or culture. And um, most communities in the Northern Minnesota area also have uh, tribal colleges that also are teaching a lot of those traditional uh, content in their Curriculum. Um, um, Just really word of mouth, too, is probably one of the best ways to do it. Um, You know, we've encouraged the people in our community to become implement makers and using that as a resource then for the community to engage in the different. Activities for the implements that they're making, um, you know, such as lacrosse sticks, um, making the snow snakes, um, the hoop and pole. Um, those are some of the things that we've encouraged our community to start making. And we had a period where we had at least a half a dozen individuals making those implements for our use, and you know, just setting a time to organized within the community to have an event um, to promote it within the community and outside the community.
0: Well, thank you, Susan. That's really helpful. And Wayne, I'd like to ask you as well, since you work there in schools, what kind of advice or encouragement could you offer to Native schools that would like to introduce these types of games into their curriculum? I think we might have lost Wayne on that. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, uh, John, I'd like to. What, what about you? How, how do you think we can foster more interest in native games throughout Native America?
7: Well, I think one of the most um, common cliches, but probably the most ap- applicable, is "make it and they will come." Uh, we we didn't really talk about the actual construction of the snow snake Run itself and you know how much i mean at least at the inception of developing these games how much that brings people together to uh, put their work together a lot of times in this convenient world everybody wants everything right when they show up they want to learn how to make moccasins but they don't want to learn how to tan hides and they they want to learn how to do quilt work but they don't want to work with the animals itself and this as well um it's labor intensive uh, depending on the uh conditions uh, at this tournament we it was pretty cold and um on the day of construction you know the the snow was blowing sideways there was a um there was a good number of people i think that's the most people i've ever built a snow snake with but usually, when it, in in reality, if you get more than three people, you actually feeling pretty good. But it's a lot of shoveling. Sometimes they use blowers and then making the track itself, um, usually uh, um, uh, dragging a, a log or PVC or a pole, pounding it in. Uh, you know, it, it's done in so many different ways, but. I do believe once the run is constructed, uh, and and welcoming, uh, people are going to play. Uh, you know, and this is this is uh, it's always fun to watch people approach these runs and look at the sticks, and they're kind of a little shy and a little nervous. But the minute you get them to throw one stick, you can walk away. They're going to do that all day long. You can't keep them off of it. So um, I guess the way I look at it is, if um, educators or education facilities. Uh, you know, people that work in um, uh, sports and, and activities, you know, build this and, and you you don't have to market it. Uh, it, does, it's, it does its work for you. So uh, certainly going to be a much bigger part of our Ho-Chunk Nation health and wellness uh, fitness initiatives in winter because lately, and I think Paul kind of alluded to that, you know, it's it's been kind of a darker area in terms of activities in indigenous uh, sports and um, uh, just social gatherings. And this really really was the shot in the arm and we are, we are completely lit. So this is going to, this is just going to be a gateway for other winter activities that are waiting for their resurgence as well.
0: Well, that's really fascinating about the tracks and how much effort and labor goes into that. So Paul, can you tell us a little bit more about these different types of tracks and about how long they take to construct for a tournament?
5: And, and I'd like to comment on that because the easiest way to get uh, snow snakes going in your community and I've seen tracks uh, I've seen pictures of tracks in Buffalo, New York that ran across streets and back alleys that were built and uh, you, know, you can use the driveway that's been plowed in your front yard for a snow snake track if you want it for throwing snakes you just need to mark the distances and uh, put your rules in place about uh, how to throw them maybe or something like that but yeah i'd I'd encourage people to say, "Look at uh, Mom, can I use your broom and cut the broom part off and then you got a broom pole there to throw down the snake track? Um, it doesn't really make a difference, I think, in the in 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 the starting uh, how the track looks, but there's so many different kinds of tracks. There's on ice tracks that are just cleared and swept off. Uh, it's, it's, you know, at Grand Portage, it was one of the biggest repositories of uh, snakes and uh, history of snow snakes because they played it on ice up there in recent years. And so it doesn't take too much to put a track together. Now, you can get elaborate with a more professional high track, which we built, and we had the town of La point, which, by the way, we had a lot of support from the Red Cliff Tribe and the local community in terms of support. A church opened up its um, its congregational area there for a warming uh, area they provided a septic system uh, when their when their system broke down they got biffies instead and so there was a lot of pulling together of the community but uh, prior to that I built a, a snow snake track in my backyard I piled snow up and let it set up and the next day dragged a log through it and I was throwing and practicing obviously i didn't get anywhere close to uh, what john john did on that day but i'm working on it and uh, he'll face tougher competition in the future but it's easy to get things going a, a four-wheel track you know a a driveway uh, a nearby small lake shovel it off for skating or something and use it for throwing snakes and uh, even just starting out with an elementary uh, a, a snake which is just a pole and then working your way up a little bit at a time. I'm 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 looking at Facebook pages of all kinds of people making snow snakes in part because of this revival. So everyone's asking questions in all our communities and saying, uh, we went to this snow snake festival, it was a beautiful thing. How can we bring this to our community? So I think we're going to be active in future winters more than ever before. And on behalf of Wayne, I would say the internet in northern Wisconsin on Indian reservation sucks. And he probably dropped out because it seems the system is dropping out throughout uh, northern Wisconsin off and on today.
0: Well, folks, we have a caller on the line, Vicky, She is listening in Anchorage, Alaska on KNBA. Vicki, you're on Native America Calling.
10: Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm enjoying the snow snake snow stories. <laughs> I can't talk this morning. The snow snake stories. Um, and I would love to see that happen up here in Alaska. We have our own little thing called the Native Youth Olympics. And they're all um, measurements of strength and agility and stuff. And some of the things they do are like the Alaskan high kick, an arm pull. They call it an Eskimo stick pull, an Indian stick pull, a kneel jump, a one-foot high kick, a one-hand reach, a scissor broad jump, probably the toughest one is a seal hop, and a two-foot high kick and a wrist carry. And they've all got specific rules for everything, and the records of what people have done with these are just absolutely incredible. So I just wanted to share that you know we have that up here, and people come from all over the state to a convention area, and they have this competition, I think it's over about three days.
0: Well Vicky thanks for calling in and sharing that. Yeah, NYO Native Youth Olympics and and I had the pleasure of, of being up in Alaska a few years ago and, and at a, at a small school and and they were having their their tournament to qualify for that big big championship that like a state tournament they have and I know it is huge up there, huge and and some of those kids really really work hard and and they're fantastic. It's just amazing to watch. So I am all all in on these uh on these native traditional games winter games and, and i agree with you uh snow snakes it's a little bit of a tongue twister sometimes to pronounce but uh, again just really really fascinating uh, wayne are you on the line still yeah i'm still here Okay, great. I want to give you a chance to, you know, we're gonna have to wrap up the show in in just a few minutes, but I I do want to have you chime in again. And, and I'm just curious, you know, like at the community level, obviously, you've got kids in this and their families are involved. And and, and what does it mean for for Native communities? Do you think to just get out there and play these traditional games and learn so much culture and when you can incorporate language into it? Just what does that do overall for, for your community?
8: Oh, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's uh, planting the seed of identity in our young people. And you still there?
0: Yeah, I can hear you, Wayne. Oops, I think we lost Wayne again. I'm sorry about that, folks. We're having some technical difficulties today. So, John, I, I want to ask you, you've made some snow sticks yourself. About how long do they take to make from start to finish?
7: Well, they must have took my competitors only five minutes to make. But um, for me, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you, you're never done with them. Um, you know, they, they need to be retooled, and um, they go through a lot of weather changes and, and humidity changes, and so you may get some curves that will probably work out to your benefit or to your demise. Um, and then, you know, there's when we were talking about rules earlier, uh, you know, we went with categories for the most part but there may be rules on stick length or whether or not, uh, some of these ornate sticks can be, um, uh, filled with, um, pewter or lead at the end of it. Um, you know, so in the width of those, we saw some that were, you know, pretty, you know, they they filled the whole channel up. So, um, they, they, can take you know um i don't want to give a time but at least to rough one of those out uh depending on what type of wood that you're starting if you're starting from raw material um you know shaving that down with a draw knife uh making sure it's level you know just like a cue stick as you mentioned in billiards and then um and even and then um, just you know making sure that the shape is conducive and, and that's a big part of this and how it's um, designed and how it tapers out to the to the end. I have two sticks that look fairly similar, but they throw completely different. Same species and same amount of work, but they just have a little bit of a different design. And so um, so there's a lot of variables that go into there, and this is why you'll see uh, competitive snow snakers go through a variety and, and everyone's got their little catfish hunter that um, they they they're, they're green hornet. Um, that, that they're going to win with. Um, And so uh, it's whatever works that day, but you can't put enough time into it. And, and it's not just the work. Um, And I am not a romantic and my wife will confirm that, but there is a lot of um, uh, medicine put into that. A lot of the thought and, and everything that goes into what your hands do or, or else it's just, a stick in a game. Um, and so, you know, we put a lot of that into there as well. And, and these are, these are instruments of um, a sacred culture. And I think the farther you go back, the more evident that is.
0: Well, folks, I'm sorry, but we have now reached the end of the hour and that's the end of our conversation. I'd like to say thank you to our guests, John Greendeer, Paul Demain, Susan Ninham, and Wayne Valier for sharing their stories while enlightening us about the exciting world of snow snakes and other native winter games. Join us tomorrow for our special native food news show, The Menu with Andy Murphy. I'm Sean Spruce, thank you for listening.
4: Support by the American Indian College Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. Scholarship applications are now open for the upcoming school year at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer.
5: Gedda dawese Ganoj wibidi mashiki winini no gum, wewene jidijikawadwa gedabinuji mug. Mawadishawain insurekidsnow.gov. Gama Ganoj one eight seven seven Kids now.
3: Ganoj no kid in Nishinabe Akwazi begamigum no watch jigakain daman. Mawadishawain healthcare.gov. Gama Ganoj one eight hundred three one eight two five nine six. Gaound the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services.